Texas freezes as the power grid buckles. The Washington Post worries that conservatives are complaining too much about cancel culture. And Joe Biden kind of loses it on national TV, but the fact checkers are there to save him. Don't worry. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? What are you doing? Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. We're going to get to all the news in just one moment. First, let me remind you, silver is trending right now and Birch Gold. Our friends at Birch Gold, they sell both gold and silver. Here's the thing. We are now at the mercy of one-party control. That means a giant, giant tax and spend agenda. I mean, this is what Joe Biden has promised. It's what the Democrats are eager to implement. I don't need to get into the social ramifications, but fiscally, you can expect compounded growth of the national debt, a systematic devaluation of the U.S. dollar. You know who's worrying about that? Larry Summers, like Clinton's Treasury Secretary. There really is one question. Why are you not diversifying to make sure that you have protected your savings and your retirement? You need to talk to my friends over at Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold Group. They'll help you diversify a portion of your savings in IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA backed by gold and silver. They're the premier precious metals IRA company in America. They've got an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, countless five-star reviews, thousands of satisfied customers. There's a tidal wave of inflation. It will come sooner or later. Gold is your hedge. Text Ben to 474747 for your free information kit on precious metals IRA or to speak with a Birch Gold representative today. Time is running out. You can protect your savings right now. Text Ben to 474747. Talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Again, text my name, Ben, to 474747 to get started. Okay, so the big news of the day continues to be this enormous cold snap that is hitting the vast majority of the United States. We in Florida are just waving at the rest of you guys because it's great down here, but pretty much everywhere else in the United States is frozen. Some 74% of the United States right now is under snow or ice. It's an amazing thing. I mean, we haven't seen a weather snap like this in probably 100 years, 120 years. Well, the Texas grid basically failed yesterday. It it required rolling blackouts. Now, I've seen a lot of people in California chortling at this because Texas and California are rivals. Texas is conservative. California is uber liberal. Okay, well, here's the thing. When Californians look at Texas, they're like, ha ha, your grid failed. You are getting some of that from people in the media left. Let us just quickly note, when California's electrical grid failed, it's because it was hot during the summer. I I used to live there. Okay, I lived there for nearly all of my life. And every year there would be rolling blackouts of some sort or another because of the completely predictable weather pattern of it being hot during the summer in Los Angeles. That is not the same thing as a once in a century cold snap that hits Texas and then the power grid fails. See, unexpected events tend to have unforeseen consequences. Why would Texas spend bajillions of dollars to protect against something that happens once every 120 years, apparently? Okay, so they're not equivalent in that way. Let's just begin with that. But now there's widespread debate over why the Texas electrical grid failed. And the answer is there are multiple factors as to why the electrical grid failed. You're seeing the media run out there screaming to protect the wind turbines. So one of the theories is that the wind turbines in Texas basically froze over and stopped producing the requisite amount of electricity. Another one of the theories is that the electrical grid itself was not essentially wired for this kind of demand. Natural gas was failing because a lot of the pipelines were not actually insulated for this kind of cold. So as always, whenever there's a crisis, there are generally multiple factors in play. But you'll notice that the media are only defending one of the factors. That would be the wind turbines. Now, let's be real about this. Wind turbines are one of the most expensive forms of energy in Texas. Texas is a natural gas and oil state. And so the case that many conservatives are making today is what if we had invested more in, you know, the more efficient form of energy and less in the wind turbines? Would that have given us enough capacity to overcome the shortages created by the cold snap? And the answer is maybe, yeah. So here's what the Washington Post has to say. This is according to Will England writing for the Washington Post. When it gets really cold, it can be hard to produce electricity as customers in Texas and neighboring states are finding out. But it's not impossible. Operators in Alaska, Canada, Maine, Norway, and Siberia do it all the time. Well, I mean, first of all, that's because Virtually everything in those places is built for things being extremely cold. The climate in Texas is generally not like the climate in Norway or Siberia. What has sent Texas reeling is not an engineering problem, nor is it the frozen wind turbines blamed by prominent Republicans. I love the media are like, nope, not at all. It's not the wind turbines, not at all. You leave those wind turbines alone. You stop that with the wind turbines. Again, wind turbines are a factor. To pretend they are not a factor is to ignore the fact that, again, crises usually have multiple parents. It is a financial structure for power generation that offers no incentive to power plant operators to prepare for winter. In the name of deregulation and free markets, critics say Texas has created an electrical grid that puts an emphasis on cheap prices over reliable service. Well, I mean, Texas created an electrical grid that puts an emphasis on cheap prices because generally speaking, cheap prices are very, very good for consumers. And that seems to make a bit of a difference. 
But the Washington Post take here is that it's deregulation that created all of this because the highly regulated power grid in California has been such a wild, massive success. So it's not the wind turbines, according to the Washington Post. It's the deregulation of the electrical grid system. As though the government would have solved this sort of thing just right away. That's what the government is great at, solving crises. According to the Washington Post, the temporary train wreck of that market Monday and Tuesday has seen the wholesale price of electricity in Houston go from 22 bucks a megawatt hour to about $9,000. Meanwhile, 4 million Texas households have been without power. Well, yes, it turns out when there is a dramatic increase in demand and there is a, and there is a dip in supply, the prices go up. That is how supply and demand grids work. One utility company, Gritty, which sells power at wholesale rates to retail customers without locking in a price in advance, told its patrons Tuesday to find another provider before they get socked with tremendous bills. Which, by the way, I mean, should be noted, if these were just capitalist greedy pigs, they'd be like, yeah, keep on ordering those $9,000 a megawatt hour bills. Please keep doing that. The widespread failure in Texas and to a lesser extent, Oklahoma and Louisiana shines a light on what some see as the derelict state of America's power infrastructure, a mirror reflection of the cast that struck California last summer. So the entire case from the Washington Post, of course, is that the the grid's failures are due to privatization. Because again, if there's one thing we know about government-run systems, it is that they are incredibly efficient and they are insulated against every form of attack. Always. This is what the government is great at, except for not. Governor Greg Abbott called Tuesday for reform of the state's electric grid operator, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, ERCOT. He said, far too many Texans are without power and heat for their homes as our state faces freezing temperatures and severe winter weather. This is unacceptable. He said he would work with the legislature to find ways to ensure our state never experiences power outages like this. Again, meanwhile, people on the right side of the aisle, they were saying, um, you know, one of the problems here is, in fact, the windmills. So, for example, Dan Crenshaw, our friend from Texas, he said, with blackouts across Texas, many are wondering what happened. Leftists are cheering a red state having energy problems. Here is the truth about what happened. Summary. A mix of oversubsidized wind energy and underinvestment in gas power means we didn't have enough baseload energy for a massive spike in demand. Also, Texas infrastructure isn't designed for once-in-a-century freezes. This is correct. So he points out that West Texas had wind turbines that had to be de-iced. The little energy that power regulators planned on being supplied from wind was now gone. He says, we have almost 31 gigawatts of wind installed on the grid. On Monday, we couldn't even depend on six gigawatts working. To make matters worse, existing storage of wind energy and batteries was also gone because batteries were losing 60% of their energy in the cold. Bottom line, renewables don't work well in extreme weather. They never will. This is what happens when you force the grid to rely in part on wind as a power source. When weather conditions get bad, as they did this week, intermittent renewable energy like wind isn't there when you need it. Two, nuclear also got too cold. We only have four nuclear units in Texas near Houston and Dallas. One of the reactors near Houston turned off due to a safety sensor freezing. No problem with the reactor, but the lack of the sensor forced the plant to shut down as a precaution. He says this is also a good indicator as to how safe nuclear is because they have all sorts of safety switches. Three, we don't have enough natural gas online. ERCOT, again, that is the Texas power grid, plans on 67 gigawatts from natural gas and coal, but could only get 43 gigawatts of it online. We didn't run out of natural gas, but we lost the ability to get it transported. Pipelines in Texas don't use cold insulation, so they froze. Every natural gas plant stayed online. The downed plants were due to scheduled maintenance. Governor Abbott made the right call in diverting all natural gas to home heating fuel and then electricity for homes. Gas and coal brought a stable supply of energy, but still not enough. Why don't we have extra gas power when we need it most? Because years of federal subsidies for wind has caused an over-reliance on wind and an underinvestment in new gas and nuclear plants. The bottom line is that fossil fuels are the only thing that saved us. They are the base load energy. Even if, if we were even more reliant on the wind turbines that froze, the outages would have been significantly worse. See, this is the point. And this is where Crenshaw hits the nail on the head. So, Crisis has many parents, as I say. Failures of the electrical grid, which in retrospect are somewhat foreseeable, but not completely foreseeable, considering this is you know a once-in-a-lifetime event. Two, the, the freezing of a lot of the natural gas and oil pipelines. Three, the wind turbines. But here's the question. Which one of these things is a solution? Now, the left would say that the natural gas and the oil are the problem. Right? They want more wind turbines. So which factor here is the cheapest to build, the cheapest to maintain, and the most reliable over the course of its development? And the answer here is not wind turbines. So if you're looking from problems to solutions, if you're looking to actually solve problems like this in the future, there are a few things that you can do. One, you can make sure that the pipelines actually have the heating infrastructure necessary so they don't freeze. Two, you can make sure that the nuclear power plants, there are more of them. Three, you can stop subsidizing the most expensive form of energy and the form of energy that is most likely to fail. So when it comes to solutions, the solution is indeed fewer subsidized wind turbines and more subsidization of the most efficient form of energy, if this is what you are worried about. We'll get to more of this in just one second, because the media don't want to focus on the answers to the problem. 
Because if they focus on the answers to the problem, it might necessitate them taking a second look at the expensive nature of giant wind turbines in the middle of nowhere. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about your sleep quality. So I will admit that my little baby woke us up at 4 a.m. last night. She's been teething hard. Well, that meant that when I got back on the mattress, I really wanted to go to sleep. Well, the good news is when I get on that mattress, I sleep like a baby should because I have a Helix Sleep mattress. Helix Sleep has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be the perfect way for you to sleep. Everybody is unique. Helix knows that. They have several different mattress models for you to choose from. They've got soft, medium, firm mattresses, mattresses that are great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. They even got a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size folks. If you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress you're matched to, the mattress comes right to your doorship for free, you unwrap it, it inflates right in front of you. It's great. It's terrific. My wife and I have one. We took the quiz and it is made just for us. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They've got a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Ben. That is helixsleep.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, so according to the Texas Public Policy Foundation, they say, while Texas attempts to identify the causes of the tragic blackouts this week and the sources of mismanagement, it's clear that poor policy decisions are the root of this problem. Texas has lost significant fossil fuel generation capacity over the past several years and instead counts on nearly 20,000 megawatts of new wind and solar generation to satisfy steadily rising electricity demand. It has been known for years that a weather event combining low wind and solar production and record demand could lead to blackouts. This week, that event became reality as new wind and solar generation failed to produce when it was needed the most. As temperatures dropped further on Sunday night and electricity demand started rising, wind generation also began to drop, eventually bottoming out at 2% of installed capacity last night. And so here's the thing. Natural gas and oil was operating at maybe 70% of its installed capacity. Wind generation was operating at maybe 2% of installed capacity. Preliminary data indicates conservation measures and rolling outages were not initiated quickly enough. Contrary to numerous false reports that coal and natural gas plants were also frozen, almost all of those reliable generators were operating without interruption until the system failure, just as they do in much colder climates all over the world. The situation could have been avoided had ERCOT acted more swiftly, but it never would have been an issue had our grid not been so deeply penetrated by renewable energy sources that contribute the least when they are needed the most, yet are propped up by billions in taxpayer-funded subsidies every single year. Okay, so this happens to be the truth. Now, PolitiFact, of course, is going to say that you can't blame the wind turbines. Never, ever blame the wind turbines because the leftists at PolitiFact love the wind turbines. So here's what they say. They say Texas does have a bodacious amount of wind power. In winter, it supplies about 25% of the state's electricity. And nearly half of that capacity shut down when ice coated the turbine blades. As residents tried to heat their homes, demand surged. The agency that manages the state's power grid, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, imposed rolling blackouts. The question is, was the state's reliance on wind power its Achilles heel? Did it fail to have enough gas and coal capacity to meet people's needs during extreme conditions? The numbers show that natural gas plants were the biggest cause of the power shortfall, not wind. The state's grid operator said February 15th that about 34 gigawatts of power were offline. But of that, about four gigawatts was due to problem with wind turbines. The rest came mainly from the state's primary sources, natural gas and coal. Those of you who have heard that frozen wind turbines are to blame, think again, tweeted Jesse Jenkins, engineering professor at Princeton. The extreme demand and thermal power plant outages are the principal causes. Well, the extreme demand, of course, is a principal cause. The question is, where's the flexibility in the supply? So here is the point. If... The, if the natural gas and oil facilities were responsible for you know, a, a bulk of the loss of energy, but also are responsible for the vast bulk of the power that is supplied, then the problem is probably with the other 25% of the power supply. Right? Well, you see how they're playing with numbers here. What, what PolitiFact is saying is that in winter, wind turbines are usually responsible for 25% of the state's electricity. In the middle of this power outage, essentially, half the capacity shut down, so it went to 12%. 12.5%. Meanwhile, the other 75% of state capacity is provided by natural gas, oil, coal, nuclear. And of that, the, the bulk worked. Okay, but because it pro- provides a larger percentage generally, that means that the absolute amount of energy lost in that particular sector was higher. Okay, that is not, a, that, that does not speak to the most efficient source of power. It's pretty obvious what the most efficient source of power here was, and it was not wind. So again, the solution here is not going to be more wind turbines and more investment into into renewable energy resources or anything like that. The solution, as everybody knows, is going to be less subsidization of the least efficient forms of energy. 
there's a certain irony to the fact that the same day that this happened, the same day that this happened in Texas, the editorial board of the Washington Post says that they want to raise the gas tax. Right? I'm not, I'm not kidding. This is the exact same day. Poor timing here. Because they want electrical vehicles to take over the road. The only way to make electrical vehicles com- competitive in the, in the American market is to raise the gas tax and artificially boost the price of carbon-based energy sources. So, I mean, the, the same people who say that they want to blame natural gas and oil and coal and nuclear and all the other forms of energy that are the most efficient forms of energy, all those same people are saying, what if we took those forms of energy and made them more expensive? And they, they brought out this editorial on the same day that Texas was frozen over and people were dying in their homes because they literally didn't have heat. Well done. You can see how the environmental left is uh, really doing yeoman's work over here. Because unfortunately, environmentalism, sometimes a great idea, sometimes it has some pretty significant costs. And those costs make themselves most apparent in crisis times when the least reliable form of energy is relied upon too much. And that is one of the many things that happened here, but it is also the easiest one to fix and the one that people on the left are desperate not to have fixed at any point in the near future. Alrighty, in just a second, we are going to get to Joe Biden doing a town hall on CNN, which essentially meant that they did a propaganda hour for CNN. We'll get to the fact checkers and their their fact checking is really incredible. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about a great new podcast. Raised in a trailer park with no clear path to success, kicked out of high school multiple times, faced with becoming a father in his teens, Jason Waller is the definition of a true underdog. After hearing the words no or you can't too many times, he unleashed the power within to start three successful companies with his most recent venture, Power Home Solar, skyrocketing on a path to become a billion-dollar enterprise. He can join as Waller, a four-time Entrepreneur of the Year winner, shares motivational tips and inspiring stories and business-building lessons from the ground up. He shares his life experiences and that of his high-profile guests to help others better themselves. As Waller will tell you, there's no elevator to success. The climb only happens one step at a time. Let every true underdog podcast be that step that elevates you. Scared money doesn't make money. Learn about failure. Learn about entrepreneurship. Learn about never quitting or making excuses. It's about risk-taking. It's about thinking smart. It's about real, raw, and motivational. When you listen to stories like this, it makes you want to be a better business person. It makes you want to Go out there and forge a new path. Check out True Underdog Podcast at trueunderdog.com or anywhere you get your podcast. Again, that is trueunderdog.com or anywhere you get your podcast. Okay, so meanwhile, Joe Biden being given the kid glove treatment by the media, I, I have to say that if you are in the center, on the right, you know, anybody who actually wants an honest accounting from the media right now, you're not going to get it. There's a certain amount of gaslighting that's happening. You can feel it churning your gut. Okay, and what, what it is, is that Joe Biden and the Biden administration will say things that are overtly false. They, they'll just say things that are not true. And the media, instead of being the sort of bulldog media, counting every single Trump lie, instead of that, you get the media spinning on behalf of Joe Biden while declaring itself objective. And it is maddening. It is absolutely cringeworthy. And this is the same media that when Donald Trump would say something like, I have tremendous African-American support, they'd be like, That is a lie. That is a lie that he has tremendous African-American support. Okay, there is no way to gauge whether that is a lie because it's an opinion. It depends on your definition of tremendous, obviously. Okay, but they they would count that as like an overt lie. Meanwhile, Joe Biden will say things that are overtly untrue, like factually on their face, baldly untrue. And members of the media will immediately spin it away because they understand their job. And their job is to be the propaganda outlets for Joe Biden. Because we must never under any circumstances tell the truth about Joe Biden unless people figure out that the man is is a doddering, elderly, far-left facade, and that he really is not running his own administration. Right? We, we should never think about the stuff he's doing. We should just treat him as like, you know, a charming old dude who likes to play Luigi in Mario Kart. That's really where we should put our focus. Okay, so last night, Joe Biden did one of these town hall events. And it is weird that we now exist in a world where the soft bigotry of low expectations for our politicians is, is so obvious. Right? For Donald Trump, there was some of this, right? Every time he would give a speech from teleprompter, he'd be like, that was amazing. It was like, well, yeah, because he was reading from teleprompter. With Joe Biden, you get the same thing. It's like, oh my God, he strung together half a sentence. That's unbelievable. Look at the old man go. That's unbelievable. Right? There's a lot of this last night. Look at this incredible performance. He was having trouble stringing together coherent thoughts. But we're supposed to pretend that he is utterly with it. He's just as with it as he was back in the 80s when he was barely with it anyway. So the, the media's treatment of this stuff is pretty amazing. So Here is, uh, so Joe Biden had a lot of things to say, a lot of things to say. Perhaps the most weird portion of this town hall is when he was talking about China policy. So he was asked specifically by the moderator about the fact that China had been engaging in a genocide against Uyghur Muslims. And his answer was not only nonsensical, it was basically propaganda talking points on behalf of the Chinese government. And the media immediately 
shifted, shifted and swiveled into full-scale Joe Biden defense mode. Here was Joe Biden talking about his conversation with Xi Jinping, the dictator of China, about the Chinese genocide against Uyghur Muslims. I don't know what he thinks he is saying here, but it's not good. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in Western mountains of of, uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I I said, and by the way, he said he he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country and they their leaders are expected to follow. Um, what? Okay, so what he actually was saying at the end there is so crazy. That's crazy. He's saying, you know, he, he gets it that I have to criticize him because we have cultural norms against genocide here in the West. He gets that I have to criticize him about that, but we have to understand they have their cultural norms as well. I mean, yeah, I'm going to criticize it. I'm going to speak out loudly about it, but I mean, let's let's be real about this. I mean, they, they have their cultural norms. I'm going to read you the entire transcript of what he said, okay, because I think that it is, um, I think it is well worth reading because some people are going to suggest that this is taken out of context and it is really, really, really not. So here's what Biden actually said, right? There will be repercussions for China, and Xi Jinping knows this. What I'm doing is making clear that we, in fact, are going to continue to reassert our role as spokesperson for human rights at the UN and other agencies that have an impact on their attitude. And then he continued, and this is the part that you just heard. I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. And so the idea is, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in the Western mountains of China and Taiwan, trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. He gets it. Culturally, there are different norms that each country and that leaders are expected to follow. China is trying very hard to become the world leader. And to get that moniker and be able to do that, they have to gain the confidence of other countries. As long as they are engaged in activity that is contrary to basic human rights, it's going to be hard for them to do that. And then he said that um, the issue in China policy in general is, quote, much more complicated than that. I shouldn't try to talk China policy in 10 minutes on television. Okay, so there it is in context. Yes, he is saying that the human rights abuses are bad, but also he, I mean, Xi Jinping really understood where I was coming from because we just have different cultures, you see. And that kind of excuse making from, from Trump would be ripped up and down by the media. But here they're like, no, 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 it's fine what he said. How dare you point out that it's bad when he says that there are just cultural differences that lead to, you know, genocide. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty incredible stuff. And that was not the only example of this, of course. Maybe the most obvious example is Joe Biden suggesting openly that they didn't have any vaccine when he came into office. Here was Joe Biden last night during the CNN town hall. The biggest thing, though, as you remember, when you and I, I shouldn't say it that way, as you remember, but when you and I talked last, we talked about it's one thing to have the vaccine, which we didn't have when we came into office, but a vaccinator. How do you get the vaccine into someone's arm? The F is he talking about? I shouldn't say that. He's so with it, man. Okay, he literally said we didn't have vaccine when we came into office. Trump says that. It's a lie. Biden says it. And Daniel Dale, fact checker extraordinaire over at CNN, says Biden had said just prior there were only 50 million doses when he took office. I'm looking into that claim, but he clearly wasn't trying to claim the vaccine did not exist at all under Trump. Oh, you mean now you're going to contextualize? Oh, got it. Right, because this is the way that it works for the fact checkers. When a Democrat says something that's untrue, it requires context. When a Republican says something that requires context, it's just untrue. That's that's the way that this works for the Democrats and their friends in the fact checking media. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to Joe Biden and his COVID takes. So here's the thing about Joe Biden and his COVID takes. So when Joe Biden says that we didn't have the vaccine, obviously that is untrue. There were a million shots given the day that Joe Biden took office. Not only that, Joe Biden knows that the vaccine was there because Joe Biden was inoculated on January 11th. So maybe it was a slip of the tongue. But Glenn Kessler at the Washington Post suggested that it was because Joe Biden has a stutter that this happened. Joe Biden doesn't make that excuse for himself. No, it's that Joe Biden is not all there. We all know this. To pretend otherwise is to fail to look fact directly in the face. We are all aware of this. That's not the end of the world. We've had a lot of presidents who are half senile. But to, but but the notion that Joe Biden is in full command here is pretty wild. Meanwhile, he continues to trot out a completely all over the place COVID policy. And Biden's COVID policy is just all over the place. He's got his, he, he's unleashed members of his administration to say that the schools should essentially never reopen. And he's got people out there saying they should reopen as soon as possible. And he's got his, his press secretary, Jen Psaki, saying, what if we opened it one day a week? And now Joe Biden's like, well, what if we opened it all the days a week? I don't have any idea what you guys want. I don't know what you're saying. All I know is that I don't trust you because I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Here was Joe Biden disowning Jen Psaki's response on schools, for example. Remember, Jen Psaki said the goal was in 100 days to have 50% of schools open to hybrid learning, meaning one day a week. 
Now, here is Joe Biden walking that back and just taking his press secretary and just dumping her right under the bus. Your administration had set a goal to open the majority of schools in your first 100 days. You're now saying that means those schools may only be open for at least one day a week. No, that's not true. That's what was reported. Uh That's not true. It was a mistake in the communication. But what I'm talking about is I said opening the majority of schools in K through eighth grade because they're the easiest to open, the most needed to be open in terms of the impact on children and families having to stay home. So when do you think that would be K through eight, at I least think we'll five be, days a week? I possible. think we'll be close to that at the end of the first hundred days. OK, we'll be OK. So now he's shifting the standard again. Do you believe him or do you think they're going to walk that one back today? My guess is within the next week, they will walk that one back. That's not what the teachers unions want. That is not what the teachers unions want. Meanwhile, he is again shifting timelines. He now says that all the shots are going to be available, right? He changed it even over the course of of 24 hours. He said, we're going to try and get everybody inoculated by like July. Now he's like, well, we'll have enough vaccines to inoculate everybody by July, which means not everybody's going to be inoculated by July. So he's finally asked, when will things be back to normal? And here's Biden explaining that things will be back to normal, you know, like in forever. Here, here is the president of the United States. God love us. By next Christmas, I think we'll be in a very different circumstance, God willing, than we are today. I think a year from now, when it's 22 below zero here, um, no, a year from now, <laughs> I think that there'll be significantly fewer people having to be socially distanced, have to wear masks, etc. But we don't know. Is he insane? Is he insane? A year from now? I mean, I'm looking at my calendar. It's the middle of February, dude. You're saying February 2022, a significantly different number of people will be wearing masks and, and, and socially distancing than are now, but we don't know? So he's just talking about forever. Honest to God, what's the point of getting a vaccine if we can't go back to normal? I don't know, especially if you're young and healthy. What is the point if you are 20 years old of going out and getting a vaccine if you can't go back to normal after you take the vaccine? Here's the reality. Nobody's gonna do any of this crap. Nobody's going to do any of this crap as, as soon as there is any significant level of vaccination in the American community, meaning people over 65 have gotten vaccinated and people who are more vulnerable have gotten vaccinated. We're all going back to normal. We're going back to ball games. We're going back to theaters. Everything is going to go back to normal because nobody is going to do this. This is not how human beings were meant to live. We are not going to continue doing this just because Joe Biden fears that there might be a, a COVID variant at some point in the unspecified future that could do damage. By the way, if, if we are treating schools this way for COVID, We should truly shut down the schools entirely because guess what's more dangerous to kids than COVID? All the things, pretty much. COVID is less dangerous than the flu. We don't shut down the schools in the fall because of flu. Maybe we need to. Maybe we need to socially distance and mask forever. Okay, this is just nonsense. There is no coherent policy coming out of this administration. None. The lack of a coherent policy is truly amazing. But the good news is that you always have Dr. Anthony Fauci to clarify things. And by clarify things, I mean be a complete opaque, uh, an opaque piece of glass that no one can see through. Fauci, I, I went, you can see my trajectory on Fauci. Go back and watch at the beginning when, of this pandemic. I defended Fauci repeatedly. I said, you know, all of the rage against Fauci is unjustified. Fauci is just a guy trying to do his best. Now it's pretty clear that Fauci is a political hack, or at least he has morphed into one over the course of time. Uh, here's a perfect example. So Dr. Anthony Fauci, the COVID clarifier, the man who speaks truth to power, right? He's just given him $1 million prize for quote unquote, speaking truth to power, the highest paid man in the federal government, Anthony Fauci. So he was asked about Andrew Cuomo lying about nursing home numbers. Remember, he had said that Andrew Cuomo was essentially a model governor. Fauci said earlier this year that Andrew Cuomo was doing exactly all the right things in New York and we should follow the lead of Andrew Cuomo. Then he was asked, you know, Andrew Cuomo lied about the number of people who died in nursing homes and were infected in nursing homes. So um, any got any comment, Dr. Fauci? And all of a sudden, Fauci, who can't shut up about Donald Trump, is like, I have nothing to say about Andrew Cuomo. I don't know. I don't know. Fauci, here he is. He's argued that his state was following federal guidelines when he ordered those long-term care facilities to accept patients returning from hospitals. I wonder, can you clear that up? Was he actually following yeah. federal guidelines yeah. to do that? You know, Jim, I can't. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm really. I'm honestly not trying to evade your question, but I'm not really sure of all the details of that. And I think if I make a statement, it's probably could either be incorrect or taken out of context. So I prefer not to comment on that. 
Well, I mean, wouldn't that be nice if he had refused to comment on many things over the course of the last year? You know, as opposed to taking eight different positions on masks and 37 different positions on school reopenings. By the, but don't worry. You know what he will comment on? Anthony Fauci will come out and he will defend Kamala Harris for overtly lying. Kamala Harris said that there was no vaccine plan when she came into office. It's not true. So here is Anthony Fauci defending Kamala Harris's lie because he knows where his bread is buttered at this point. He knows that the right doesn't like him very much and that the left loves him. Got to keep those you got to keep that credibility flowing there, Dr. Dr. Fauci. Here he was defending Kamala Harris, the apolitical scientist, Dr. Anthony Fauci. What I think the vice president is referring to is that the actual plan of getting the vaccine doses into people's arms was really rather vague. I mean, it, it was not a well-coordinated plan. Getting the vaccines made, getting them shipped through Operation Warp Speed, was okay, but I believe what the vice president is referring to is what is the process of actually getting these doses into people? Oh, weird, because if you actually take a look at the tranching out of doses, what you will see is that number one, states are the ones making those decisions. Number two, you can see what the line looks like in terms of the number of vaccines that have been tranched out, and it looks like a direct straight line. Starting at the beginning of January, there was no dramatic exponential uptick under Joe Biden. It is just a continuation of the exact same line which means that Biden has been using the same plan. Okay, but Dr. Anthony Fauci, super apolitical, super apolitical. And the media will defend these folks. They'll defend them until the end of time. They can lie to you. They can say things that are untrue. They can spin, and they will be defended under all circumstances, which is why Jen Psaki, the White House, White House press secretary, can get out there and just say ridiculous things on a regular basis to the wild cheers of the media. We're going to get to Jen Psaki, the most transparent and wonderful of all members of the White House press corps in just one second first. Let us talk about that magnificent beard that you are growing. I know it's wintertime and a lot of you, my friends, are growing a magnificent, magnificent facial mane. Believe it or not, there are some big celebrations taking place this time of year, especially over at Beard Supply. That's because it is February. Mm-hmm. Happy February, everyone. It's the time of the year to grow that beard. But please, yourself and everyone else a favor, do it in style. Beard Supply, running a promo on all their beard oils right now. Buy one, get a second one, 50% off. No promo code necessary. Just head on over to beardsupply.com to get the discount today. Beard oil not only moisturizes away that itch, it also nourishes your hair for a better looking beard overall. So grab one oil today, get a second one, 50% off, knowing these are all natural, all awesome for your beard, whether those whiskers are old or new. This discount is up at the end of the month. You better get over there right quick. Visit beardsupply.com to buy one oil and get the second one, 50% off. That is beardsupply.com. If you wish to have a luxurious mane like Matt Walsh, or perhaps you just want a scraggly, wispy little thing like, like my friend Jeremy Boring, well then, no matter what kind of beard you have, you need Beard Supply. Go check out beardsupply.com. Buy one oil, get a second one, 50% off. That is beardsupply.com. All right, we're going get to more, get, get to more of the Jen Psaki show in just one moment. And our leftist media covering for everything Democratic. And like, we have a lot more coming up. But reminder, you remember actress Gina Carano was uh, canceled by Disney Plus and Lucasfilm for the great sin of being conservative. And that would have been the end of the story normally. But we here at Daily Wire, we are dedicated to fighting back against this sort of cancel culture nonsense. And that is why we are now working with Gina Carano to produce and develop a film for her. The Daily Wire rejects cancel culture and everything it stands for. We are prepared to fight back against the authoritarian woke left which is why we announced a movie deal with Gina. She's developing, producing, starring in an upcoming film that will be released exclusively to Daily Wire members. We've all said it. Conservatives need to do more than just complain and critique the culture. We need to compete in the culture, give you an alternative. That's what we are attempting to do here right now. That's why we're so excited to be announcing our new partnership with Gina. We have a lot more entertainment content coming for you as well. Here's the thing. We need your help because this stuff is expensive to produce. Disney Plus has $8 billion to spend every single year. We've got you, so we need your help. And you know, last night, we did an all-access live. By the way, you get that when you become uh, an all-access member. You get to hang out with me at night. And I got to tell you, the number of people who were enthusiastic about this stuff, the number of people who had joined up just because they wanted to help out Gina, people get it. And I think you get it too. You get that if you want to be part of the fight, the best way to be part of the fight is to contribute. And really, that's what I'm asking you to do. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Gina. That's G-I-N-A. You get 25% off your membership today. Okay, also, one of the things you're going to be able to do is ask us questions for the all-access members, we have a State of the Union backstage. It is coming up next week. If Joe Biden can make it through without falling asleep, then we will definitely do our best to do the same. If you want to watch that State of the Union backstage, that is coming up next week. So stay, stay tuned for that. And if you want to ask us questions, then you should become an all-access member so you can really participate in the fun. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. <laughs> All 
Okay, meanwhile, Jen Psaki over at the White House getting away with her brand, her unique brand of dishonesty. So she says a lot of things. A lot of things does Jen Psaki. So one of my favorites. You remember there was this big scandal where the White House Deputy Press Secretary, a person named T.J. Ducklow, was dating a person over at Axios who's covering the Biden transition team and the Biden White House and the Biden campaign. And some, some, people at Vanity, some people at Politico started covering that particular story. And so T.J. Ducklow called up the woman who's covering the story and basically suggested that she suffered from some sort of sexual jealousy. And then it took them like fully four or five days to fire the guy. First, they tried to suspend him. Then when it became clear that the controversy was not going away, they fired him. So Jen Psaki was asked about this. How refreshing, Jen Psaki. And she, uh, she said, no, you know what? We did the right thing in the end, right? So we get credit for that, huh? I think the president leads by example, and I try to do the same. And uh, on Saturday, when we announced that uh, T.J. Ducklow had resigned uh, his position, uh, something we all agreed was the right path forward, uh, I made clear that every day we're going to try to meet the standard set out by the president in treating others with dignity and respect, with civility, and with a value for others through our words and our actions. He's no longer employed here, and I think that speaks for itself. Well, I mean, you know, it speaks for itself. The fact that you guys tried to suspend him for a week and get away with it. That's what speaks for itself. Other things that Jen Psaki said yesterday, uh, this one's pretty great. So she was doing one of these live to camera mailbags, essentially. People were asking her questions and somebody tweeted at her. What is President Biden doing for my small business? Listen to this. This is the worst answer I have ever heard to this particular question. What is President Biden doing for my small business? First and foremost, he nominated a woman to lead the Small Business Administration who formerly worked there. Second thing is he signed an executive order to make it easier for uh, minority-owned small businesses to get access to the funding uh, that they need. Okay, so um, I want to focus in there on that that first answer. So uh, the first thing, the most important thing, how are you going to help my small business? Well, someone with a vagina, I assume, is going to be leading the Small Business Administration. Although, according to the White House press secretary, some women have penises. So I really, I really don't know what it means that a woman was nominated to lead the SBA because it could literally be a woman or a man. I, I don't know what any of that means. But it is very important to you that your small business will be helped because a person who identifies as female is going to be leading the Small Business Administration, as opposed to like, you know, under the Trump administration where Linda McMahon was leading the SBA, a woman. So yeah, re really well done there, Jen Psaki. And everybody's like, oh, It, the gaslighting, I, I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. And we're we're in like month one. Okay, it's going to be a very, very long four years with this media in place because they are just garbage at this. By the way, the Biden administration is actually going to push some pretty bad policy here. Jen Psaki suggested yesterday that they're going to radically shift on foreign policy, which we all knew was coming. So the best part of the Trump administration by far was its foreign policy. By far. They didn't start any new wars. First administration in my lifetime that didn't. They brokered several peace deals in the Middle East. First administration in my lifetime to seriously do that. And the the takeaway is all of that was wrong, according to Joe Biden's press secretary. What we need is a return of the foreign policy blob that bullies Israel into making concessions to terrorists and also kowtows to China and all the rest of this nonsense. Here is Jen Psaki pushing bad policy. But at least we have a girl who runs the SBA. That's the important thing. I can assure you that the president, this president does not have, is not looking to the last presidency as the model for his foreign policy moving forward. Uh, president Biden has been working in the global arena for decades. Uh, and what he means by foreign policy for the middle class is uh, ensuring that our team working on economic issues, our team working on national security issues, uh, our teams thinking about how policies impact the American people are talking and that we make decisions and make policies through that prism. So that was that was a lot of oatmeal coming out of her mouth right there, because that meant nothing except that we don't like Trump. And so we're going to dump over all of his foreign policy accomplishments. Now, here's the thing. Why are they allowed to get away with this? They're going to get away with an awful lot of bad policy. They're going to be getting away with an awful lot of lies. They've done so so far for over a month. And that is uh, that is apparently in, in going to be the new the new normal. The new normal is they just get away with lying. And the answer is because the media are in on it because the media are part of this. The media are a propaganda outlet. Your establishment media are a propaganda outlet on behalf of Joe Biden's administration. The same people who are declaring for years that Fox News is a propaganda outlet for Donald Trump, they are significantly worse when it comes to Biden. At least there were hosts on Fox News who were critical of Trump when Trump did dumb or bad things. You cannot find hosts on CNN who are critical of the Biden administration when they do bad things. Because according to people at CNN, they've never done a bad thing. Occasionally, Jake Tapper will ask a tough question. That's pretty much it. Meanwhile, the entire media has dedicated itself to 
focusing in on the thing that affects the most Americans right now, the most important thing in the world. And that, of course, is the January 6th riots that happened six weeks ago and are over and which Trump was impeached in the House for. And he's not in office anymore. But the good news is you've got the media defending the Democratic Party against any and all who point out that the Democratic Party is, in fact, a radical party that has backed violence in the past. And the media are working overtime. They are working overtime for the Democratic Party at this point. So got to play a couple clips on this. So Joe Scarborough, a person who five minutes ago was chuckling it up with Donald Trump when he was running for president in 2016. He was getting together with him. He and Mika, they were watching they were watching debates together. It was all good times for Joe Scarborough. Then Scarborough decided that Trump was the font head of all evil. Now Joe Scarborough is saying that there is no way to criticize the Black Lives Matter riots of the summer in comparison with the Capitol attack. The level of elitism that is implicit in this commentary is pretty astonishing. Let's just listen to what Scarborough has to say, because this does reflect what many in the media think, and it is so dismissive of the concerns of tens of millions of Americans. Here is Joe Scarborough saying, you can never, ever, ever point out that there's violence on both sides of the aisle and that many mainstream figures on the left side of the aisle have given the go-ahead to violence. You can't do that. Here's Joe Scarborough. I know there are idiots on other cable news channels that will, will say, well, you know, this mom and pop store was vandalized during the summer riots. And that's just as bad as the United States Capitol being vandalized. No, no, actually, no, no jackass, it's not. (laughs) The capital of the United States of America is the center of American democracy. And while I am a fierce believer in people's right to defend their private property, I'm not going to confuse a taco stand with the United States Capitol. See, the taco stand is just something that you personally invested in and built a business yourself. And if somebody burns that down, I mean, that's not that big a deal. If they attack a taxpayer building and then the taxpayer building immediately gets cleaned by a crew and is defended by, you know, police officers and everything, then that's much like, why why do we care about your taco stand again? I'm just confused. How about this? How about both things are bad? I mean, why can't we just say that? Like people invading the Capitol building is a tremendous act of evil. You know what else is an act of evil? Burning down a guy's taco stand. That is an act of evil. It is absolute evil to burn down somebody's private property because you are pissed about an unrelated issue or because you're just taking advantage of the chaos surrounding that unrelated issue to do damage to somebody. By the way, it wasn't just a taco stand, Joe. The Black Lives Matter riots did $2 billion in damage. $2 billion, according to insurance estimates. It was the single most damaging spate of rioting in American history, what happened over the summer. And the amount of property damage done at the Capitol was far less than that. That is not to minimize what happened at the Capitol. On an ideological level, it was an act of evil. It was an attempt to overthrow the the workings of democracy. It failed. It failed that day. It didn't go on for months. It didn't have massive support from the political infrastructure. There's a bunch of nutcases deciding they were going to run into the Capitol building and act like jackasses and photograph themselves and put it on Instagram so they can get arrested later. That is not to downplay the evil. But I'm not the one downplaying evil here. It's Joe Scarborough who's downplaying evil. If you burn down a dude's taco stand, apparently that just doesn't rank. In the list of priorities, because for the media, the only thing that matters is what they do for a living, and that is covering the government. And the government is the only thing that matters because they cover it. So if, if your property got burned down, no biggie. And if Democrats back that, no biggie again. Don Lemon making that point. He says, listen, you know, Kamala Harris, sure, she raised money for rioters legal fees, but that's not a big deal. By the way, Don Lemon portraying himself as an objective journalist. You could switch out the transcripts of Joy Reid and Don Lemon. They would read exactly the same. Joy Reid at least doesn't present herself as objective. Don Lemon does. So here is Don Lemon suggesting that it's perfectly fine for Kamala Harris to raise money for rioters' legal fees because it's legal. It's okay. Because here's the thing. They don't care if your business gets burned down. All they care about is their political point of view. All they care about is the stuff that is important to them. Now, the stuff that's important to them can be important, but the stuff that's important to you is also important. And by the way, has a much more dramatic impact on your life. If somebody burns down your store, that has a much more dramatic personal impact on you than a bunch of Yahoo jackasses running into the Capitol building and breaking some windows. In terms of personal impact to you, not in terms of impact on the country at large, in terms of personal impact on you. And you know what has a big impact on the country as well? When a bunch of political figures and members of media say it's okay to burn down your taco stand. The the dismissive and derisive tone toward people who run businesses in this country and who have invested their life savings in those businesses and who want to live in peace and security in their their communities, the dismissive tone is astonishing. Here Here is Don Lemon defending Kamala Harris bailing out rioters. After the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis last spring, thousands of people, including Black Lives Matter supporters, took to the streets. Kamala Harris tweeted 
support for donations to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which helped people post bail if they were arrested while protesting. So let's set the record straight. There was no bailing out, right? Kamala Harris tweeted about a fund to help people post bail, which is entirely legal. Okay, so um, no, that's called bailing out. If I post a donation link to a bailing out people fund, and those people are not generally arrested for protesting because protesting is legal, and the people who were in jail were rioting. They were committing crimes. That is why they had been arrested in the first place. But according to Don Lemon, that's totally fine. Why is it totally fine? Because he agrees with those people. Because he thinks that those people are doing something that is just and noble. And so it's fine. By the way, I will point out to Don Lemon, you know what else is legal? Perfectly legal. The president of the United States saying untrue things about an election and telling people to peacefully and patriotically march to protest at a Capitol. That is perfectly legal. I don't think that was Don Lemon's perspective on, on Donald Trump's behavior on January 6th, do you? The utter imbalance in the media is going to be the continuing issue of our time, and it's not going away. You want to talk about the, the fact that we live in two different universes when it comes to the facts? It's because there's an entire industry that is dedicated to lying, okay, to telling a, to telling a narrative that is different from the facts and defending people who agree with that narrative. Now, we've tried on this show to differentiate between things that are fact and things that are my opinion. I try to do that every single day. I've said things that many of my listeners disagree with because I think that it's important for you to know the difference between my opinion and something that is factual. Members of our media, they don't care. And I'm honest with you about my own biases. Don Lemon is not. Okay, that imbalance is creating the massive distrust of institutions. And know that distrust of institutions is not going to go away. It's not going to go away anytime soon. And that is why you're starting to see the left get more and more authoritarian. The left realizes that in order for them to have a prevailing point of view here, in order to end the polarization, there are only two ways to do it. One is to come back to the table. They don't want to do that. The, and, and start being honest. They're not going to do that. And the other is just to purge. The other is to cram down their particular point of view through woke purges. Speaking of which, let's talk about the cancel culture for a moment. So one of the greatest forms of gaslighting that's happening in our society right now is this push by the left to cancel people, to destroy their careers, to go to people's bosses, to get them fired, to destroy their livelihoods, to get them kicked out of schools based on old media, media posts or misinterpreted comments. And then, and then to say that's not happening. It's not, cancel culture is just consequences for your actions, guys. That's all cancel culture is. Well, the question is, are the consequences calibrated to the crime? Or was there even a crime committed? That's what we mean by cancel culture. Nobody is deeply worried about you speaking out against somebody you disagree with. That ain't cancel culture. You know what is cancel culture? Going to their employer and getting them fired for saying something online that you didn't like unrelated to their job. That's cancel culture. And you guys are pushing it every single day. But here's the thing. The left has pushed too far. The authoritarian left, which has taken over nearly every institution of American life. We're talking about from corporate America, which is now cramming down bullcrap diversity, woke training sessions on you, to Hollywood, which has determined that if you are a conservative, you cannot work there. And also, they're only going to produce films that, that trend toward one political side of the aisle and TV shows that trend toward one political side of the aisle. Whether you're talking about the scientific community, which has caved in large measure to the woke, there are scientific journals that now ban studies. I'm not kidding this about this. There are scientific journals that ban studies if those studies have, quote unquote, disparate impact. You're not allowed to publish a study if people could use the study to push for policy that is not in conjunction with leftist points of view. Every place from science to Hollywood to corporate America, every place from government to universities, the authoritarian left is in control of the means of dissemination of information, and they are in control of millions of people who work every single day in this country and pay taxes. They're in control of their lives. And so what the left is afraid of very much is that the authoritarian left, which, which does not represent a majority in this country, the woke authoritarian left, which loves canceling people and makes life miserable and wishes to eliminate all jokes and all fun and wants to keep tabs on Clubhouse and wants to keep tag tabs on Facebook and Twitter and make sure that they're watching you every minute of every day to make sure you don't say anything that they don't agree with. Those people are annoying. They're Puritan. They're McCarthyist. And nobody likes them. Okay, but they have created a power structure at the top of these institutions by being what is called an intransigent minority in social science talk. So I've talked before on the show about renormalization. The process of renormalization is how you take over an organization. So if you want to take over an organization, it does not require you to have a majority of the stock in a corporation to take over the corporation from the inside, for example. All it requires is about 20% of people to agree that they are not going to go along with an agenda item and the other 80% of people to be kind of wishy-washy about it or silenced. That's all it requires. Renormalization is pretty easy to make happen. 
The example that I've used before is an example that, uh, that is taken from uh, Nicholas Nassim Taleb, which is the, the example of a, a vegan daughter in a meat-eating home. Right? The vegan daughter says to mom, listen, you guys can make whatever meal you want. I'm only eating vegan tonight. Now mom has two choices. She can either make two meals, one for the vegan daughter and one for everybody else, or she can make one meal, a vegan meal for everybody. And so the entire family is now eating vegan. Now that family goes to a street barbecue and they say, listen, we eat vegan now because of our daughter. We need you to either serve us vegan and serve everybody else barbecue or everybody can eat vegan. And so the neighbor is only inviting four families. They're like, that's a lot of hassle. I'm just going to order out vegan for everybody because why waste the extra money? It's, it's too much. Now you've taken one person and I got 16 or 20 people who are all eating vegan because of this one person, right? Renormalization is not hard to make happen. Well, in the world of the institutions, this is what the authoritarian left has done. They have said, we are not going to work in the same corporations as you if you do X, right? If you say X, we're not going to work with you and we're going to bitch to our bosses and we're going to threaten lawsuits. And so the bosses, they say, you know what? It's not worth the hassle. Just tell everybody to shut up. Just buy a diversity training manual from Ibram Kendi and maybe these people will silence and, and go away. And so all, the, all, all of these institutions are essentially held hostage. Now, here's the problem for the people who are taking over the institutions. Again, they remain a minority within their own institutions. Nobody likes them, but there is no solidarity and cohesiveness to the resistance to this phenomenon, right? The, the, the other 80% of people who don't like this kind of crap, they are not getting together and saying, listen, we're going to fight back against this. So now, now we here at the Daily Wire and a lot of people on the right, we're starting to fight back against this. Many of us are saying, you know what? We're not okay with this. And we got to get together and reject this. Do not cave to the cancel culture mob. Do not listen to them. Fight back. Tell your employer that you're not going to work with that guy if he wants to cancel you. Tell him that you and 80% of your and your colleagues are not going to listen to Robin DeAngelo spew bullcrap to you about how being white is inherently supremacist. And if you do that, you can actually re-normalize the institutions. You can return them to normal. So here's what, how the left is fighting that now. They're fighting it with gaslighting. They say, yeah, we understand that we've renormalized the institutions. We understand that we are using authoritarian measures from the top down in order to cram down our particular point of view. But it's all in your head. It's all in your head. Cancel culture is both good, but it's also in your head. So perfect example of the genre today, Philip Bump has a piece at the Washington Post, and he's very, very upset that people on the right are noticing cancel culture. If you notice it, here's the problem. If you notice cancel culture, you fight back against it. And there are enough of us to fight back against cancel culture that they can't succeed. And the authoritarian left lose their foothold of control. So instead, he has to say, no, 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 you guys, you're not being canceled, you see. You're just being faux victims. So here's Philip Bump at the Washington Post today. Quote, one of the best encapsulations of the past few years of politics came from President Donald Trump about a month after he lost his reelection bid last year. Quote, we're all victims, he told an audience at a rally December 5th in Georgia. Everybody here, all these people here tonight, they're all victims, every one of you. Now, he was talking about voter fraud. He said they were victims of voter fraud, which wasn't true. But Bump is going to use this as the jumping off point. Quote, the sentiment was central to Trump's appeal to many Republican voters. In the 2016 election, a sense that white Americans were losing out in modern society was a better predictor of support for Trump than economic disadvantage. Trump voters, more than anyone else, saw racism against whites as a potent problem and were more likely to view whites as victims of discrimination at rates similar to racial and ethnic minorities. Trump promised to make America great again, to wind back the clock to a time before things such as Black Lives Matter, to a time when the distributions of the rewards of American society weren't questioned. You see the reframing here? The reframing here is that if you just want to be treated as an individual, it's really because you're in favor of white supremacy and you don't want the hierarchies of power to be torn down. That's the reframing. Now, all of that, that, that entire line of attack, is replete in the cancel culture, right? If I stand up for individual liberty and the meritocracy, it's because I'm secretly a racist and I should be canceled for saying these sorts of things. Folks on the left are not, on the authoritarian left, they are not shy about saying this sort of stuff. Ibram Kendi says it all the time. It's more on this in just one moment. First, you've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy before. Choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I actually research the show's sponsors because I want to recommend brands I believe in. I can say with full confidence, ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. For starters, ExpressVPN does not log your online activity. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They've even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN also uses Lightway. That's a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried a lot of VPNs in the past. They can sometimes slow your connection, but... ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. Not to mention, ExpressVPN, really, really easy to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up. You just fire up the app, you tap one button, and now you're connected. Even your grandparents could do it. 
I'm not just the one saying this. It's Business Insider, The Verge, a lot of other tech journals. They rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN on planet Earth. Protect yourself with the VPN I know and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Get an extra three months free on that one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. Philip Bum continues. It's hard to articulate this sentiment explicitly, though particularly to a group of Americans who are at the same time hyping their profane indifference to feelings and hawking mugs to hold liberal tears. Right? This, of course, is a rip on us. How, di- how dare we say that we are, we are not in favor of feelings? It's coded, packaged in other ways, such as the framing offered by Del- 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 Delegate Kirk Cox, Republican of Virginia, a candidate for governor in the state. Quote, there's been so much silencing and shaming because of cancel culture, it's gone too far. He said in an ad released on Twitter, we can't even have a competition of ideas, and for representative democracy to work, you have to have that. The left simply cannot be allowed to ignore other opinions. So I, as governor, will not stand for that. Okay, now, there's nothing wrong with that sentiment. But Philip Bump is going to say that it's racist and paranoid to point out that people are being silenced, which is his attempt to silence people, ironically. It says, cancel culture, as you may be aware, is an umbrella term for incidents in which people, usually public figures, have faced blowback for comments or actions, generally ones seen as culturally inappropriate. It's a nebulous phrase, your definition may vary, but it centers on the idea that some people have been canceled, exiled from society for their views. Cox obviously sees this as a politically potent position to take, and that we're mentioning it seems to bolster that idea, but so does a poll from the Huffington Post released on Tuesday. Conducted by YouGov, it found that while only half the country was familiar with the term, the vast majority of Republicans familiar with it see cancel culture as somewhat or very serious as a problem. Since a similar poll conducted in September, the percentage of Trump voters familiar with the term who say cancel culture is a very serious problem increased by 14 percentage points. If you're seeking a Republican nomination, amplifying those concerns seems to be warranted. Okay, but this is bad. But this is bad, according to Philip Bump, right? Because cancel culture is a concept predicated on categorizing particular views as verboten. And those views are often ones that overlap with the sense that whites and men are imperiled. This is by no means always true. Some concern about cancel culture also, also derives from social media bans. But it's often the case, says Philip Bump of the Washington Post, that the concern expressed as part of the backlash to the perceived phenomenon is the same concern that Trump expressed to applause during his first primary Republican debate in August 2015. His obnoxious comments about women were simply a mark that he wouldn't be beholden to a politically correct worldview. And then he talks about why cancel culture is good, right? Because cancel culture is about canceling the people that we don't like. And we like canceling those people. So, If you don't go along with that, it's because you have adopted a victimhood mentality, says Philip Bump. He says concern about cancel culture is an explicit manifestation of victimization by those who see themselves as a focus of questions about accountability and power. The message is that cultural elites, including the media, are trying to silence opposing views, but it's often a convenient claim. None of this is that simple. That, too, is the point. Conflating all criticism into some Big Brother-esque effort at silencing half the country is a facile approach to the moment which, of course, is why it's appealing to political actors. Okay, this entire column is basically saying that if you're worried about the cancel culture, it's because you're a white supremacist. Also, stop worrying about the cancel culture. It's amazing. But this is the perspective of the left. This is how they're going to cudgel people into silence. So here's the answer. Don't be cudgeled into silence. Don't apologize. Don't be cudgeled into silence. The left knows this crap works. They know it works. Okay, let me read you a quote from The Hollywood Reporter. This is pretty amazing. So The Hollywood Reporter was reporting about the firing of Mandalorian star Gina Carano, who is now over here with us over at Daily Wire producing and starring in a film. The Hollywood Reporter has a long piece about why Carano was tossed from Lucasfilm. There's one quote in this piece that is particularly relevant. It is from a crisis PR representative named Judah Engelmeyer. Quote, I don't know what people at Disney personally believe or don't believe with regard to politics, but as a corporate entity, they want to stay as trouble-free as possible. And anything that's going to offend the left is a problem. I have clients who are making an extraordinary effort to post what the social left wants to see. It's perfectly obvious what's going on here. It's happening in every aspect of our culture. You're not wrong to feel that you are under attack because you are under attack from all of the institutions that have been hijacked by the the authoritarian left and then covered for by by the mainstream establishment media that love this kind of stuff because it puts them in the driver's seat in American life. And you can see the extent of this. Right, Bachelor stars are now coming out is a great example of it. Bachelor stars are now coming out and saying that Chris Harrison must be fired and major changes must be, must be made to address the Bachelor's racism. This is according to Emily Zanotti over at The Daily Wire. If you've missed this story, which we've talked about a few times at this point, this is the most insane cancel culture story of the last few weeks. Okay, it's insane. Chris Harrison didn't even post anything controversial. Chris Harrison is the host of The Bachelor. There was a woman on The Bachelor who, by the way, is competing for the affections of a man who happens to be black. And this woman 
several years ago, attended an Old South party in which she dressed up in an Old South dress. This in and of itself was deemed racist. Then Harrison said, you know what? I'm not the woke police. And the reality is that we should treat people with some grace and let her explain herself. This was deemed second degree racist. Right? We now have first degree racism, which is you did it yourself. And then we have second degree racism, which is that you said a not racist thing in favor of a person who might or might not have done a racist thing. Right? So we are now second degree racism. Okay, and, and so Harrison apologized for having said we might need to show people some grace. By the way, you know who said the same thing? The Bachelor star. He said the same thing, but because he's black, we ignore that. And because Harrison is white, this means that he is covertly a white supremacist. He's being accused of perpetuating racism for speaking out against cancel culture and saying that she should be allowed to explain herself, this particular contestant, rather than face a judge, jury, and executioner on social media. So now, old members of The Bachelor are coming out and, and saying that they, are, uh, that they want Harrison axed permanently. Demario Jackson and Jubilee Sharp, two alumni of The Bachelor program, said that Harrison should lose his job. Jubilee shared that during her time on the show, according to TMZ, she noticed that white contestants were treated better by producers. Demario told the site the franchise needs to make major changes in order to deflect further charges of racism. Jackson said, it just sucked because, yeah, we had each other, but there was nobody we could really relate to because it was an all-white production, all-white cast, all-white show, which is great, but it's 2021 now. Women who took part in the 25th season of The Bachelor released their own statement demanding better treatment for black indigenous people of color contestants without naming Harrison specifically and denounced the host for defending quote-unquote racist behavior. They said, we denounce any defense of racism. These experiences are not to be exploited or tokenized. Okay, so our mainstream establishment media, the people who, of course, are standing up for your right to speak freely, people like Don Lemon. So Don Lemon hosts Bachelorette star Rachel Lindsay. Now, recognize Harrison said this on Rachel Lindsay's podcast, I believe. And Rachel Lindsay got very offended because she is a, a former contestant. She was the, the star of The Bachelorette. And she, of course, is black. So she's on with Don Lemon. And they just spend a segment ripping into Chris Harrison for not being a racist. But don't worry, guys. Cancel culture isn't real. It's all in your head. And you're just thinking that uh, you're victimized because you're a white supremacist. So you should be canceled. But cancel culture isn't real because you're complaining about it because you're a white supremacist and you should be canceled. But cancel culture isn't real. Here, just keep repeating it over and over until it makes sense. Here's Don Lemon with Rachel Lindsay going after Chris Harrison. By the way, uh, producer Savvy suggests that the play here is going to be that they eventually make Rachel Lindsay the host of The Bachelor, which would be the most perfectly predictable move. I, I think it's a good call by Savvy. Here is uh, Don Lemon and The Bachelorette star Rachel Lindsay going after Chris Harrison for the great crime of saying that people deserve grace. Why do you think Chris Harrison was willing to give Rachel Kirkconnell so much room for her hurtful actions, yet couldn't muster an empathy towards communities of color who were offended. Well, I think that's the problem in our society is that people aren't trying to understand the other side. He knew how to defend himself and what he represents. He hasn't taken the opportunity or the chance in almost 50 years, especially doing what he does in the history of this show, to learn about racism in America. That's actually the definition of privilege. He is a white privileged man because he has been canceled from the show for the great crime of saying that people should be treated decently and not mobbed by social media. And Don Lemon is pushing that forward. But don't you worry about cancel culture. It's not coming for you. I mean, it is, but it's not real. And when it does come for you, if you complain about it, it's because you're a privileged white person and you should be wrecked. But don't worry, we're not canceling you because it's just what you deserve. The authoritarian left can be stood up to. The biggest mistake here is that Chris Harrison apologized. He never should have apologized. He should have told them to stick it. To stick it. He should have told them to stick it the way that Gina Carano told them to stick it. And more and more people in Hollywood, in business, we all need to do this together. There needs to be a solidarity among those of us who wish to have open debate and discussion and not buy into a culture that says your life should be ruined because you said something that crosses the priorities of the woke left. But the, again, the, the game of the media here is to pretend that you are a bad person for even noticing the bad thing they are doing to you. You are the problem. Well, here's the thing. You're not the problem. They're the problem. And we all need to stand up and fight back against this nonsense. Okay, a quick note here on, on Rachel Lindsay, because I've just been informed of this by producer Savvy, who's on top of these things. I mean, she, she really knows, I don't know what she does the rest of her day, honestly. But in any case, she let me know about this yesterday. So Rachel Lindsay, right, who you saw and heard in that clip with Don Lemon talking about the awful, evil Chris Harrison, who committed the great sin of saying that people deserve grace and they shouldn't be wrecked on social media. Um, let me just say, if a white person did what Rachel Lindsay did on her Instagram just a few months ago, that person would have been destroyed. Like their career would be over. Because here's what Rachel Lindsay did a few months ago. Okay, in the middle of the Black Lives Matter protest, 
she tweeted out a picture of herself in front of, I kid you not, a Cadillac XT, uh, XT6. And here's what she wrote. Quote, we are living in unprecedented times right now. I know we cannot escape our reality, but we do what is necessary to take care of ourselves physically and mentally. For me, I like to clear my head by going for a drive in my Cadillac XT6. With its Bluetooth connectivity, I can easily connect to my phone to stream almost anything and everything with crystal clear audio on the standard Bose speaker system. I can take this time to listen and learn from podcasts that support and uplift black voices. It is so important that we take the time to understand what and why things are happening in our country. What are some of your favorite podcasts that discuss these issues? Share your recommendations in the comments and tell me how you're doing your part to share some good these days. Hashtag ad, hashtag Cadillac community, hashtag Cadillac escapes, hashtag be the good. So um, there's some privilege happening right here. Uh, It ain't Chris Harrison. I think that we can call you privileged if you are literally cutting an ad for Cadillac while talking about uplifting black voices by listening to podcasts in your brand new Cadillac XTX, XT, XT6 with Bluetooth capability on your Bose system. That might be the definition of privilege right there. I mean, like, wow, wow. But don't worry, Don Lemon is not privileged. Rachel Lindsay is not, they're victims. They're victims in American society. And not only are they victims, they have the power to cancel. They've been given the power to cancel despite the fact that they are making presumably millions of dollars a year in the case of Don Lemon or Rachel Lindsay, who is literally using Black Lives Matter to cut ads for a Cadillac. Capitalism always wins, number one, is a lesson from this. But number two, it is amazing to see the purveyors of cancel culture determine that they themselves can decide who is privileged and who is not based simply on skin color while standing in a very expensive outfit with an expensive purse, it looks like, in front of a Cadillac XT6 bragging about how woke you are. Truly amazing stuff there. Alrighty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, head on over to The Michael Knowles Show. On today's episode, Michael will be talking about how Philadelphia School honors black communism and black power. That episode is available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Rebecca Doyle and Savannah Dominguez. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright 2021. Climate alarmists insist that this recent cold spell does not disprove global warming. CNN admits that Joe Biden is sleepy. And a New York City school is calling for the abolition of white people. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.